They sit in darkness and love to have it so. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Man down through time has sold his soul for a bowl of Esau's pottage. Many in the academic community have considered the credibility of the Word of God, but are afraid to come out of their scholastic closets, especially in the sciences. They have too much invested. Their grotesquely expensive Darwinian-based educations, their careers, their prestige, their pet sins, etc. An interview quoted several times on God Said, Man Said clearly depicts this problem it follows. Back to Genesis, a publication of the Institute for Creation Research featured an interview with a molecular biologist conducted by George Kaler of the Lynchburg Leader. This molecular biologist, speaking on grounds of anonymity, is involved in identifying genetic controls for diseases. As you hear or read this short excerpt, the reasons for his anonymity will be obvious. The letter G represents the interviewer, and the letter J, the biologist. G. Do you believe that the information evolved? J. George, nobody I know in my profession believes it it involved. It, It was engineered by genius beyond genius, and such information could not have been written any other way. The paper and ink did not write the book. Knowing what we know, it is ridiculous to think otherwise. G. Have you ever stated that in a public lecture or in any public writings? J. No, I just say it evolved. To be a molecular biologist requires one to hold on to two insanities at all times. One, it would be insane to believe in evolution when you can see the truth for yourself. Two, it would be insane to say you don't believe in evolution. All government work, research grants, papers, big college lectures, everything was stopped. I'd be out of a job or relegated to the outer fringes where I couldn't earn a decent living. Gee. I hate to say it, but that sounds intellectually dishonest, Jay. The work I do in genetic research is honorable. We will find the cures to many of mankind's worst diseases. But in the meantime, we have to live with the elephant in the living room. What elephant? Creation design. It's like an elephant in the living room. It moves around, takes up an enormous amount of space, loudly trumpets, bumps into us, knocks things over, eats a ton of hay, and smells like an elephant, and yet we have to swear... It isn't there, end of quote. People have various reasons for rejecting the truth and ultimately salvation. A controller of a particular company and I were discussing the word of God. He told me that he could never embrace the Bible because his mother-in-law would not tolerate it. Another person's reasons were that he knew his friends would not choose the life of righteousness. The list is long, but actually very short. Have outside pressures blocked you from having life and having it more abundantly? Are you ready to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Today is the day of your salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus for simple instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 24, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, 
to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts, and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. They went in, two and two, into Noah, into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day uh, entered Noah, and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort." And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters." And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, and in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the earth, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. Man said, ridiculous, or at best, the Bible's account is merely the exaggerated writings of someone who had witnessed a regional flood. Now the record. The entire edifice of unbelief requires the absolute rejection of two historical facts which can be and are proven beyond any reasonable doubt. On God said, men said, there are presently 353 feature subjects that endorse and prove the inerrancy of the Word of God by multiple third-party sources. These feature articles are stored on this website in text and streaming audio. The number of subjects grows by one God willing every Thursday eve. The Bible is proven time after time after time. Now let the skeptics prove any anti-biblical position they hold true. We await. The historic facts rejected by carnaldom that are foundation to their unbelief are, one, the rejection of the concept of the creation of the earth with its universe, its Adam and Eve, etc., and two, their casting off of Noah and a devastating global flood. Rejecting these historic facts is required in order to house their cardinal doctrine of uniformitarianism, which basically states that the present defines the past, 
and that all events in the geological process, for instance, happen at a uniform constant pace. Since they reject the notion of creation, had they met Adam five seconds after his creation, they would have assumed history when there was none. They would have looked at the earth and its ecosystem, the sun, the moon, and the planets, assuming history when there was none. Their uniformity just dissolved. Secondly, the absolute atmospheric and global devastation that took place during the flood in the days of Noah would not be considered uniform geology even by the most ardent skeptics. The billions of years of purported history offered up by the evolutionists are founded on assumptions built upon their doctrine of uniformitarianism. Their assumption of history and constancy is woefully lacking. This is the tenth feature that deals with the Bible's record of Noah and the Ark and the global flood. Information on this subject continues to pour in at a very rapid rate. Much of the scientific community is befuddled by its discoveries grappling for explanations. It never dawns on them that the Bible is true and righteous altogether. This uh, update will highlight some of the latest findings concerning catastrophic floods being reported in the field of science. The skeptics will attempt to explain this phenomenon in sundry ways and attempt to dodge the obvious. The following excerpts are from the July 21, 2007 issue of Science News under the heading, Birth of an Island, Mega Flood Severed Europe from Britain. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, as an ice age was ending, the spillover from an immense glacial lake in northern Europe sliced through a broad ridge that for millions of years had connected what is now England to the continent. The flood that resulted, one of the largest the scientists have ever identified, quickly created a breach that makes Britain the island that it is today. A sonar survey just south of England revealed a 100-kilometer-long submerged feature that scientists have dubbed the Northern Paleo Valley. This valley, which contains little, if any, sediment, is as much as 50 meters deep in spots, says Gupta. Large, flat-topped islands in the valley have streamlined shapes, suggesting that they were carved by massive amounts of water flowing over what had been dry land, broad grooves carved into the bedrock, some of them at least 100 meters wide and 15 kilometers long, curved to follow the valley's terrain, a hint that the features were quickly created by a colossal deluge. The size of the Paleo Valley's islands suggests that the floodwaters could have run as much as 20 meters deep, says Gupta. Considering the width of the now-submerged valley, the scouring flow that created it could have carried about one million cubic meters every second and raged for months, he added. The purported flood probably rivaled the floods that scoured portions of the northwestern United States at the end of the most recent ice age, says Philip Gibbard, a geologist at the University of Cambridge in England, end of quote. Please keep in mind that the assumption of uniformitarianism will supply a bottomless pit of enormous dates. In order to convey the global nature of the flood, the following paragraphs have been lifted from the God Said Man Said feature article, Noah's Ark, Fact or Fiction. According to an article reported in the January 1999 issue of Discover magazine titled, 40 Days and 40 Nights, more or less, a great flood of possibly noitic proportion did take place in ancient times. I'm quoting. About 7,500 years ago, they're off about 3,000 years, a flood poured 10 cubic meters of water a day, 
130 times more than flows over Niagara Falls from the Mediterranean Sea into the Black Sea, abruptly turning the formerly freshwater lake into a brackish inland sea. The evidence has been slowly accumulating over the past five years. In 1993, William Ryan and Walter Pittman of Columbia University's Lamont-Doherty Earth Observatory dug up cores of sediment from the bottom of the Black Sea. The cores samples showed that the sea's outer margins had once been dry land and that it had been two-thirds its present size. Furthermore, over the entire sea bottom was a thin, uniform layer of sediment that could only have been deposited during a flood. This past year, even more evidence came to light when researchers collected sediment samples from several new nearby sites. If there had been a flood, there would have been a flood everywhere, says Ryan, so we know that we had to find the same features, the same evidence that the Black Sea had once been smaller. The new samples are consistent with that story. In an article in the Smithsonian written by James Treffel, under the heading Evidence for a Flood, he reports on the research of Columbia University geologist Ryan and Pittman. Treffel reports on the research that claims that antediluvian ocean levels were about 400 feet lower than they are today and that the east coast of the United States was 75 to 150 miles farther out than it is today and places like Manhattan and Baltimore would have been inland cities. Of course, this was the result of God changing the world's atmospheric structure when he opened the windows of heaven and poured the water down for 40 days and 40 nights. The core samples taken by Ryan and Pittman from the area of the Black Sea led them to believe that a flood of noetic proportion actually occurred, although they don't make the complete jump to global. The following paragraph is from the Smithsonian. It was this event that Pittman and Ryan believed could be the flood recorded in the book of Genesis. The salt water poured through the deepening channel, creating a waterfall 200 times the volume of Niagara Falls. Anyone who has ever traveled to the base of the falls on the Maid of the Mist will have a sense of the power involved. In a single day, enough water came through the channel to cover Manhattan to a depth at least two times the height of the World Trade Center, and the roar of cascading water would have been audible at least 100 miles away, end of quote. The following information is quoted from November 2007 issue of Discover Magazine under the title, Did a Comet Cause the Great Flood? This story reviews discoveries made by environmental archaeologist Bruce Massey of Los Alamos National Laboratory. Massey believes that he has uncovered evidence that a gigantic comet crashed into the Indian Ocean several thousand years ago and nearly wiped out all life on the planet. What's more, he thinks that clues about the catastrophe are hiding in plain sight embedded in the creation stories of cultural groups around the world. His hypothesis depends on a major reinterpretation of many different mythologies and raises questions about how frequently major asteroid impacts occur. What scientists know about such collisions is based mainly on a limited survey of craters around the world and on the moon. Only 185 craters on Earth have been identified, and almost all are on dry land, leaving largely unexamined the 70% of the planet covered by water. Even among those on dry land, many of the creators, craters excuse me, have been recognized only recently. It is possible that Earth has been a target of more meteors and comets than scientists have suspected. Massey's epiphany 
came while poring over Hawaiian oral histories regarding the goddess Pele and wondering what they might reveal about the lava flows that episodically destroy human settlements and create new tracts of land. He reasoned that even though the stories are often clouded by exaggerations and mystical explanations, many may refer to actual incidents. He tested his hypothesis by cross-checking carbon-14 ages for the lava flows against dates included in Royal Hawaiian genealogies. The result? Several flows matched up with the specific rains associated with them in oral histories. Other myths Massey theorized hold similar clues. Massey's biggest idea is that some 5,000 years ago, a three-mile-wide ball of rock and ice swung around the sun and smashed into the ocean off the coast of Madagascar. The ensuing cataclysm sent a series of 600-foot-high tsunamis crashing against the world's coastlines and injecting plumes of superheated water, vapor, and aerosol particles into the atmosphere. Within hours, the infusion of heat and moisture blasted its way into jet streams and spawned super-hurricanes that pummeled the other side of the planet. For about a week, material ejected into the atmosphere plunged the world into darkness. All told, up to 80% of the world's population may have perished, making it the single most lethal event in history, end of quote. Massey is getting close, but he's still short of the correct assessment. The great destruction cited by Massey is said to have happened at the end of the Permian period, when it is estimated that 70% of land species and 95% of ocean species were destroyed. They keep tripping over the truth, but refuse to acknowledge the obvious. Consider these geological facts that certify the Bible's account of Noah's Ark. 1. All the mountains of the world have been underwater at some time or times in the past, as indicated by sedimentary rocks and marine fossils near their summits. 2. Most of the Earth's crust consists of sedimentary rocks, which are formed almost entirely underwater. 3. All sedimentary formations appear to have been formed rapidly, even catastrophically. God said, Noah and his Ark... Man said, ridiculous, or at best, the Bible's account is merely the exaggerated writings of someone who has witnessed a regional flood. Now you have the record.